0: Hello and thank you for joining us on the latest Tribe Supper. As ever, it's Dom Shaw here, joined by Phil Talentine and Anthony Vickers. We don't have a new manager to talk about yet, but we do have a signing to talk about. Yeah. I reckon if someone had said last week, would you have a signing or a manager first, But probably said manager?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think you'd have to, wouldn't you? Because... You'd expect it's going to happen sooner rather than later, yeah. Um.
0: But yeah, Grimsby, yeah, young grimsby striker Burrell joins uh, for an undisclosed fee. Burrell made it clear that he'll obviously join the academy ranks. We were just saying there before we started, it'll be similar to the George Miller um, type signing from mm. a few years ago. I guess on the back of Steve Gibson's talk about you know his vision for the academy and, and, and whatnot... Mm. Um, it's just a sign of the focus they're putting into the academy and, and obviously they've yeah. spotted some potential there. That yeah, to I mean, and to
2: be fair, it's, it's not a sudden development. We have had, uh, over the last couple of years, we've had similar signings, Jordan McGee, for instance. Uh, I suppose it's a fairly low risk for, for Borough to bring someone in for a year to assess them see if they're, you know, they've got what it takes to play at the higher levels and if they haven't, it's fairly easy to move them on. Uh, you only need to get one right... To save your club five, six, ten million pounds in signing fees. And for him, Phil, you wrote earlier this week how excited he was. What an opportunity.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, from what I gather, you know, only two years ago he was leaving, you know, Coventry City, taking his chances with Notts County. He's been playing reserve team football. He's had a little sniff of the first team, which is great for him. Um, But, uh, you know, it would be surely... Be well advised to realise that he's, he's still got it all to do. But yeah, I mean, just moving into that academy, you know, the, the the training ground, the setup, the you know, the opportunity that presents itself. And I also think it's interesting that we're seeing we're seeing Middlesbrough being a little bit more, I suppose, open to bringing in teenagers from other clubs. It didn't happen so much, you know, back in the sort of Steve McLaren, Brian Robson days. You had the occasional one like uh, Danny Graham who came from Chesterley Street. Um, I think he was seventeen when he joined the club and finished off his sort of training with the academy. Uh, we've always pretended to produce our own from the age of seven, eight, nine upwards, haven't we? But there's, uh, you know, I think Jed Spence came in from outside. Um, there's been one or two others as well, um, and that just shows a little bit of open-minded, really, open-mindedness, really, open really, that the you know prepared to keep an eye open, you know. And you mentioned George Miller. Um, I mean, the only thing I hope is that you know, it, it seems a little bit counterintuitive to sign a player like George Miller give him 18 months two years and then and let him go again now obviously you'd, you'd think wouldn't you that they've seen something in him to sign him in the first place to make him worth a gamble and they did the right thing for me in getting him back out on loan to you know to continue his development because he was scoring goals down the lower leagues which um, was a Bury wasn't he um, so <sighs> You, you, you do kind of think well if you're going to make that effort you need to give them maybe a little bit more time but you know managers change coaches change and, and players, players and change and to as be well be fair
2: they did see him over the course of the best part of 18 months playing competitive football and they've made their judgement on that basis so.
0: no, absolutely on the subject of uh, the under 23s Paul Stevenson has left uh, that was a, a surprise announcement, a surprise departure since we last recorded a, a Tribe Supper. That was the sixth exit, I think, last week on the back of the uh, on the back of the cull of the first team stop. Keeping count, yeah, yeah. Um, no announcement yet as to who'll replace Stevenson. I would imagine that will probably come after the manager is announced, which at this stage is still unclear. Uh, Slavisa Ikanovic is favourite at the time of recording ahead of Jonathan Woodgate, and then come the names. Uh, we don't want to talk about this at length, because it, A, it might change, Maybe we did it last week, but it seems that we're ruling more people out. Uh, John Terry, you know, we understand there's nothing there. Michael Reisiger, he's, he's now with well, the IX's first are, team. Are
2: we ruling them out? Were they ever, ever, ever Well, they've been mentioned. The they've been mentioned, yeah. haven't they? They've yeah. been linked
0: and they've been heavily, heavily linked, heavily yeah. mentioned. So we are ruling them out on that basis. Yeah. Uh,
2: we, we know what the situation is. I mean, Steve Gibson says he's, he's going to take his time to interview people... But we understand people have made presentations and there's been some discussions with various candidates. Uh, he's abroad at the minute. He's, there'd be no rush. They want to get the, the, right, uh, the right appointment. And that's, that's uh, a good thing for me. Uh, it's interesting that the ones that we are aware of as realistic candidates, Woodgate and Djukanovic, represent polar opposites in a mm, way that the way the club are, uh, uh, say that they want to go. Uh, and it's also interesting. You mentioned Paul, Paul Stevenson uh, uh, got the, got the bullet. He was the one person that's left in this cull that wasn't part of Tony Pulis's backroom setup. And it does leave an interesting vacancy there. So you think, well, if uh, a manager comes in from outside, uh, Woody could move to the under twenty threes, maybe, and that would leave a new manager the opportunity to completely bring in his own backroom staff. So I think that's interesting, it you know, raises question marks as to exactly which direction they're going in. Uh, it also perhaps uh, it poses a pressing problem in that Borough now effectively have no backroom staff. A pre-season training starts in a month. Yeah, we were talking about
0: this earlier, Phil. Obviously we don't know who is going to come in, but when they do... One are the priorities, the obvious one, is bringing bringing the backroom team yeah. in. But that but that's settled before you know before whoever it is, it, you know, is, is, is appointed. The, there's, there's a you number of players. Well, just first won't. things first, who the likes of Rudy Gestede and Martin Braithwaite, the two that spring to mind.
1: Yeah, well, sorry, you just going back there. So you say the backroom team should be settled when the new manager is appointed, but I mean, if it is Woody. Who does he bring in? You know that that you know, you'd you imagine if Jukanovic comes in. You'd
0: imagine if Woodgate, for example, has sat down with Steve Gibson. He yeah, he'll, he'll discussed yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, who, who, yeah. who, who was going to yeah. come in alongside him, yeah. what he foresees is his, his
1: yeah. coaching team being like. Yeah. I mean, in terms of you know, in, in terms of the the priorities, you know, it's a big ask, isn't it, to come in. Um, you know, let's say it's next week. The appointments made, as Vic says, the 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 season training is due to start in the best, really, three weeks' time. By the time we get to next week, you know, so there's there's, there's the preparation in terms of, you know, I know Tony Peoli said a few weeks ago that he'd organised everything in terms of, you know, where they're going and what they're gonna do, and you we'd already assume that the Alpine. Um, Boot camp in Austria might go the distance when the new guy walks through the door, but you, you 've got to imagine that he 's going to something 's already been organized similar to last year because that 's what he also did at West Brom He went to Austria and then he he, play, he he took the team places like Germany just exactly as he did last season, so you would imagine something like that in in the diary ready just all organized and sorted just for, waiting for confirmation. I think the difficulty is and I think this sometimes gets overlooked a little bit is that you can have all the desire you want to bring in your own players, and I'm sure Borough will bring in players this summer. Um, we know that, for example, they've the, 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 the made great strides in trying to sign Geraldo Becker. But what do you do with the players that you inherit? You know, it's, it's easier said than done getting moving on players who are on tens of thousands of pounds a week, who haven't really caught the eye, particularly since they've been at Middlesbrough, and who May be very hard to move on. Do you do you incorporate them in the group? Do you do you, do you, do you, um do you think right? Well, I'll have a look at them myself. Just because they haven't worked for manager A doesn't mean to say they won't work for me. You know, I use the example, you know, Martin Braithwaite. We all assume that he won't be here next season. He said some pretty controversial things, specifically about Tony Pulis, didn't he? And I'm sure he hasn't exactly won hearts and minds behind the scenes at Rockliffe either. But you know, if a new manager walks in the door and plays the kind of football Martin Braith wants to play um, why wouldn't he necessarily stay and be part of that new new setup? You know, and um, it might be the case that we've had a player who's done really well for 18 months and the new manager comes in and doesn't fancy him we're assuming that he'll want to use player X and player Y well, it happens
0: I mean if you think for example Cyrus Christie probably yeah, yeah. yeah. the best player in the
1: yeah. Gary Monk and Ryan Shotton was completely out of it completely out of it until Tony Pooley's walked through the door um, I know he'd, he'd, he'd made that comeback match against Sheffield Wednesday hadn't he but he'd been kicking his heels in the res- reserve since his moved from Birmingham so it's the easiest thing in the world to sit here and just assume that things are going to happen the way we think they're going to happen but you know, the manage- managers come in they have their own ideas, as you call it the, I, I guess it's a bit like the Chris Powell effect when when, when um when uh, Sven, Sven- Gorn Eriksson took over at England and suddenly he made that left field suggestion, didn't he? A selection, should I say, and you know, brought him in the team and liked the look of it. And I like that open-mindedness, actually. I hope the manager does come in with, with, you know, with, with an open idea of, right, I've got a squad of players, th- th- there's a big wage bill here, so I know I'm not going to be able to keep all of them, but maybe I can get more out of the ones that are earning more money.
0: Which, which players, then, will, will, be, will welcome this Change. We'll welcome some fresh eyes, and we'll we'll go back and think. You know, this is a this is relishing the chance to. Well, the obvious answer is those ones they're in the team on day one. I mean, the thing is, when when you manage now, though, to... I'm talking now the players now at this stage. You would you would think, for example, that Britta Sambelonga is one of them. Yeah, a, form any, the anyone that thinks the that their
2: strong suit is attacking football because the. the the chairman doesn't make many statements, but the one he did on the night Tony Pulis left was that he wanted to turn to youth and he wanted to play more attacking football. So people who think that's their strong suit will probably uh, welcome the idea. Uh, if you're one of the, the, the four centre-backs that have, have relied on, on physicality rather than mobility, uh, you might think differently. Uh, when a manager comes in, there's a, there's a lot of issues to address, and I mean, a lot, some of them are technical in terms of what you do, what your staff is. Uh, 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 but perhaps more important, the, the, the issues that need to be addressed are, are cultural. We've had five years of functional football. Um, Borough have played a, a fairly ponderous, mono-paced possession game. And we're led to believe that Borough want to be a bit more adventurous, a bit more swashbuckling. And I, I think it's, it's quite important for a new manager to come in and move the cultural furniture uh, that change the cultural architecture of the club so that there is a different ethos. And that's sometimes harder to do than just technical things. You know, you can coach people in particular positions and stuff, but changing the mentality sometimes, rewiring the, the club, is a lot harder to do. How, how do you do up?
0: that then? How do you set about doing that? Uh,
2: some players, Some managers would bring in two or three of their own players from past clubs that know exactly how they play. Who can be an ambassador in the in the changing room and can enforce it? Sometimes you need to bring in completely new players because some people just can't adapt, and that's that's just the reality of it. Uh, it's a high risk strategy. Changing changing things too much, as as we know. Yeah, I was going to say does sometimes the manager
0: have to adapt as well and think you know maybe Absolutely. maybe yeah. I can't make as many changes. I know Paul Hurst, for example, when he went in a switch last year. I remember reading. A few of the things he was saying, um, where he was saying that the players, the players couldn't adapt to my demands as quickly as as I'd have liked, and I thought, well, first things first, should you really be saying that? Mm. Um, and secondly, it does, raise, it does raise this prospect of a manager maybe having to go in in two or three weeks in thinking, right, I, I wanted to do that, but now I'm not going to be able to. Well, maybe I'm going to have to introduce that over the course of the season. Well, Steve Bruce said the same at Sheffield Wednesday. He was talking about how he's, he was surprised at how quickly the players at Sheffield Wednesday bought into what yeah. he his, When he went in there, he probably didn't give it a thought yeah. of Sheffield Wednesday getting in the top six, when in actual fact, I know they finished. I think it was six place and ten points back but they've they flirted with it ever so
2: briefly I, I think it, it does help point. if a manager comes in sort of ground zero in pre-season and with the, with the ability to bring in his own players well, classic example, it's a lot harder to do it to, to change uh, horses in mid I mean the
1: classic example is Bielsa at Leeds he came in this time last year and took pretty much was the same group of players who had been sort of dropped off badly then the end last season before last didn't they they looked like they had a chance to, to, to finish in the playoffs and then they dropped away badly in most people accepted that they wouldn't be good enough or certainly be outsiders for the top six. And he's gone in, he's gone in there and completely stamped his own philosophy on it. Now, obviously, he's coming at that with, with years and years of experience and a massive reputation of playing a certain way and a very much, you know, fit in or get lost kind of attitude as well. And certain players in that system have, have flourished. You people, you, I think Click was a player who done nothing and then blossomed under Bielsa so it can be done um, I think the other side of that coin is you get a situation where Gary Monk comes in again with a similar remit to what the new manager is going to have now and he just couldn't see the wood for the trees could he he, he you know as, as we've mentioned in these podcasts before he changed the system a week before the start of the season and then felt we've all I think we all felt he was playing catch up from then onwards because he didn't seem to take the players with him I think that's the point you know important point Nick's making there about coming in, hitting the ground running and making sure that the players believe 100% in what you're doing and almost they're almost giving their entire trust to the manager and the moment the manager starts second guessing himself players aren't daft, they can tell straight away when the manager's struggling um, to, to, to find the right philosophy and that's clearly what happened with Gary Monk he, he came in and had one idea of how he wanted to play had a change of heart at the last minute and from then on in really Burr never really looked convincing and he struggled to convince everybody that he was the right man for the job. So it's a difficult task. the Hurst's a great example of somebody who went into a club, and I know they weren't in the same circumstances as Borough, but there was a desire there to play a certain type of football. They lost some important players over the summer, didn't they? And they never really got going the following season. So I'm not suggesting for a second that Burr are going to go down next season. But the danger is you get somebody in who maybe is full of big ideas but can't implement them. Um,
0: did you see Mick McCarthy's interview
1: he wasn't too <laughs> <laughs> too generous was he <laughs>
0: it was uh, classic Mick it was the pause yeah. it was the pause that made yeah, it before the, yeah. that worked out well yeah. but on that manager thing um it's interesting to say that because I, I was reading an interview with Philip Billing, the Huddersfield uh, player, where he's talking about Jan Seaworth, the guy who took charge of Huddersfield, who must be the most anonymous Premier League manager in history. Well, Huffle. I honestly, Huff- and Huffle, I right honestly think if he, if he walked into most high street yeah. stores, he wouldn't be recognised as a Premier League manager. But he was and saying anyway. In yeah. <laughs> this
1: isn't anywhere. Claude, Claude Puel's one of the managers, right, or yes. Was a manager. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember that game at Southampton when he came into his press conference and, and he sat down and everyone in the everyone on the front row picked up the chair and shuffled forward and I thought, what's the game here? And I soon realised when he started talking. In a whisper. Yeah, you know, you know if you can't hear with well my ears then there's a problem. <laughs> um, but Billing was saying about Seawoods that he, he's arrogant, he said. Uh, and he said, within a week of coming in, the players had figured him out and realised that basically, or words to the effect of, he came in pretending of, as though he was a Premier League manager. Mm. And and it is that that you know managers will have to go in and portray this confidence. Yeah. It Must be difficult. Oh yeah. Because they you know the, that confidence won't always be there. I think I mean, to I make sure that players don't yeah. see th- see through you at times.
1: I mean, I think I think what's Good at, potentially good at Middlesbrough is, and I, this is only what we see from the outside. But it does seem that there's not too many players in the dressing room who will deliberately look to, 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 to I think to it's be, a very solid dressing yeah, room. I, I, you know, you don't, it doesn't, doesn't, feel like there's a lot of characters in that dressing room who will deliberately try and test the manager out and you know try and catch him out. You know, um, so you, I would think that would be a pretty good group of terms in ter- group of players in terms of. An attitude to, to take on. We know there's problems within the structure of the squad and the balance of the squad, but I would I don't see that being a particularly demanding dressing room to to, to get a hold of. But as you say, and you know, as we know, footballers are very clever at working out. You know, it's like a classroom, isn't it? A, a classroom of twenty five ten year olds can sniff out when they've got a weak teacher, and within five minutes there'll be chaos. It's just it's it's instinctive within groups of people. They know when they've got you know somebody who who's I suppose the word's bluffing, isn't it? Yeah. Someone who's not who's not who can. Can talk the talk, but can't you know? Can't walk the walk, that kind of thing.
0: And on the dressing room, I know, I know, there's plenty of fans who probably won't. Have, there's my pen going. Uh, who probably won't have a good word said about Tony Pulis at the minute. But but, you know, if you think about Gary Monk's final press conference when he was talking about how the hangover from the Premier League season was still lingering when a broken When you come into a broken dressing room, how difficult it is to fix. One thing Tony Pulis did was was fix that dressing room because last season all he did at every given opportunity was talk up the character of the dressing room. There's absolutely no suggestions of any issues in there now. In his 18 months in charge, he made sure that any kind of hangover friction
2: was gone. Yeah, and and we do. We've all interviewed the players and and it's unprompted they will say this is a great set of lads, this is a strong group. Sometimes a lot of that is just lip service, but I mean, you do get the impression that it is a genuinely solid group. Uh, good, honest, hard-working lads. Maybe, maybe it's lacking a little bit of spite. Maybe it's lacking a real leadership of the cut. You know, th- it's hard to replace someone like Grant Led- uh mentally and psychologically as part of the mix and maybe that's something that, that the new manager will need to address that yes they are a good bit of a good bunch but maybe they need a bit more fire a bit more edge a bit more openness to to buy into what he's he's uh, what he proposes and, and a new methodology uh sometimes you, you do need to shake yeah. it up a little bit but yes I think it's a sound solid group of uh championship players that wouldn't take that much to t- to make it a lot more effective, but ma- managing a team is not always about getting better players. You can bring in better players and make a team worse if they don't fit in. Ma- managing a group of players is it's about delivering a, a team that that is more than the sum of its parts, and a lot of that is psychological. I and think a lot of that is about mentality.
1: I mean, I think, watching a fair bit of the playoff semifinals and the run into the. The run-up to the playoffs and indeed the playoff final—it's noticeable how much, how how niggly the successful the successful teams were. Aston Villa virtually tried and run matches. If you watch how they go about it, the way they reacted to that Leeds incident when they uh, they didn't get the ball back and to a man they virtually turned on the referee and on the opposition. Now you don't have to like that, but it te- that tells me that's a team that really has a little bit of the you know the, the, the um, I don't know what the word is the. They've got a bit of badness in them, but they've also got hunger, desire, they've played fast-paced. Man,
0: Man City are the masters, obviously. Yeah, now. I it's mean, dark
1: arts. But Barcelona, yeah. everyone forgets that Barcelona, for all their beautiful, ticky-tacky football, one of the most cynical teams that's ever played football, in terms of fouling the opposition on the edge of their own box to slow them down and to, and to, and to, to, to force them to regroup. It's, it, absolutely, it's the dark arts. Look at Real Madrid, look at Ramos. Um, Derby so caps the absolute, yeah, master. Absolute master. You, you know, look Derby. Derby were a niggly team. They were in the face of the referee. You know,
0: Borough were brilliant at the under Karanka. They were. Yeah,
1: Borough, Borough had a bit about that. Yeah, yeah. They did. They did a bit, a bit about them. They knew the when to keep the ball out of play. They knew when to stay down. The new, I mean, I was thinking they rotated day. fouls. That the Norwich
0: team. game, you think the one 0 Norwich game? That was one yeah. of those where, if you were a Norwich fan, you would have went away yeah. absolutely seething and hating yeah. Carranca's yeah. Borough. You? There's
1: a few results like that, and and you don't have to like it, but the fact of the matter is that a lot of teams do it, and a lot of teams succeed. And there's a feeling, there's been a feeling about Borough for the last two three years as, as Vic alluded to earlier about the pace of the team they are too slow and deliberate i wouldn't say they were a nice team they you know i wouldn't say they were too nice but you just wonder where the leaders are sometimes when you're looking on the pitch because there are players who came. you know at times in the karanga team you had ben gibson you had george friend you had grant ledbetter you had you know two or three of the other players who who you knew were were, were 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 refereeing the match almost on the pitch that were getting into the teammates they were getting into the opposition. That was a that was a strong borough team. You call it, for want of a better expression, a team of men. I think they've lost a bit of that. There's no real identity and direction to the team at the moment. Or there wasn't for me last season, too often it was like they were reactive, they weren't stamping themselves on matches, they were waiting for the opposition to come at them, particularly at home. You know, even when they went away, the the strategy that the preferred strategy was soak it up and hit teams on the break it was very much about stopping somebody doing something rather than being on the front foot and making it happen and for me as much as anything some of the football that was played by the best teams in the championship last season was was a different game to what middlesbrough were playing and that's sad to say that because you know we all we all thought burrow had a I chance thought
0: about watching, watching the playoffs you know and, well.
1: a, and the and, the, and the, i think the fact you know what was it uh, was it steve crossman said of the four, the four teams in the playoffs, the teams you'd you pay to see all of them. Yeah. You know, Derby, Villa, Leeds, they and were uh, West for Brom. They? Yeah, Awards they were they're they all decent teams to watch, and um, I think there's a lesson there to be learned. Um, I
0: think the myth, it, it, now, it used to be this thing about the championship being a grind, and you've got to you've got to have players who've been there and done it, and and I think I don't think that's the case. I mean, you look at that Derby team, for example, full of young kind of upcoming players who, who you'd look at and think, Probably. well, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't fancy those if it got if it got rough and ready but
1: in actual yeah. fact I mean, some of the football they played up here, up here in the first half was sublime, wasn't it? Um, and, and, and I think that team did ultimately have a bit of a soft centre and, you know, the, the, the evidence of that was the fact that they really made hard work of even finishing sixth and that should have been Burr's position all day long. So there were flaws in that derby team but he took that group of players and got them playing a brand of football that that their fans enjoyed watching more often than not. And it was good enough to get them to the, semi, sorry, to the finals of the playoffs, which was probably their minimum requirement this season.
0: The, um, we talked about the priorities for, for whoever does come in. Martin Braithwaite mentioned. Is there anyone else who you think it's one of those where he comes in and thinks, right, we
2: need, we need to get him off the books? I mean, Rudy Gestet's the obvious player who springs yeah, to I mind. Mean, I mean, obviously Gestet practically left in January and then... He uh, dragged his feet and, and the deal fell through. And I don't think those people in the club weren't very happy about that because they put a lot of spade work into the deal. Uh, clearly, with the, the Borough not getting the, the, their, their buck from him on the pitch and given all that we know about the finances and the, the financial landscape we're in, I think they'll probably have to take a hit on him to, to get him off the books. Braithwaite's an interesting one because I think Braithwaite will have teams that are interested it's just jiggling it about so that the, the money adds up really. Uh, I've been led to believe that the club won't particularly want to let him out on loan this season. I think
0: that makes sense. The
2: understanding me, yeah. is that if he's available for loan, then other teams will play that. Yeah. And you're not getting your money's worth because you know he might end up only getting 60% of his wages. And you a year left after that. And you? after that, he's, you know, one year left, he's, he's virtually worthless. So it might be a case of taking a hit on the the actual transfer fee, but getting some money back and resolving the issue one way or another. And in
0: terms of players coming in, um, we've talked about Becker the the obvious the obvious question I guess the obvious issue that's raised at this stage of the at this stage of the summer when, when you see players
2: being linked without a manager is is who's signing them well in some respects that doesn't really make any difference because whoever comes in as a manager is going to have twenty two players that he hasn't signed so does it make any difference if he's got twenty three
1: he just maybe's used up some of his potential wriggle room. That's probably the only other mm. argument you can make, isn't it? That if you've got X number of pounds the, to spend, other, and you've already spent the, half The of it. other side
2: of that coin, though, is if you have players that, that you, you know you want to buy because they fit in with the, the strategy of the club and they're good value for money, do you wait for a month and then lose them?
1: Well, that, that's, a, that's a good point. And that, that comes back to when the strategy of the club, doesn't it? Does that, do you get a manager that's going to fit that strategy? Clearly you have to, don't you, if that's the case. I mean, just on, on, on players coming in, Dom, I mean, I think what's really intriguing me as well, in addition to the potential players coming in, I think going back to our point before about the style of football, there needs to be some energy in that centre of midfield. There needs to be somebody who can grab, you know, I'm not saying Burroughs can go out and sign a Grealish, it would cost a fortune that kind of play, but that kind of attitude, that kind of energy, that kind of drive, uh, most teams that were successful or most teams that are successful now have that kind of play. Um, I'm intrigued about somebody like, you know, George Friend and, and Adam Clayton because. In the right circumstances, they can be big assets to a new manager. You know, particularly someone like George Friend who embodies everything that's good about football. You know, in terms of attitude, commitment, desire, um, behaviour pattern. You know, uh, you know how do you? You know, he's coming now towards the tail end of his career. Will he play every week? He's had fitness problems. Now, you, you could you couldn't go one of two ways with that. Could you think right? Well, George, you know, we'll, we'll we'll move George on if that's possible. Or you think, hang on a minute when you need the right type of characters around you when you're in new players at the club maybe he's someone to have that role that maybe Grant had over the last 18 months where he's not necessarily playing every week but he's the club captain in terms of off the field leadership you know Adam Clayton, people like that they've still got time left on the contracts um, you know what do you do with Adam Clayton is he going to play every week is he going to fit the new manager's style um, you go through a list of virtually every player within the, the first team squad at the moment there's not many people that you'd say would definitely 100% stick-ons in the next manager's team you'd say but Darren Randolph if you say you're sure um, you know, after that you know, are, there, are, there, are there any more than three or four players who you'd say well, there's absolutely no way that player can be left out of the first 11 next season I'm not sure there's that many can make and an an unarguable yeah, I'd case say
2: Dale Fry and Lewis Wing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apart from that, I don't think there's anyone that you would say you know there's there's, there's no one that it's not a hill to die on. There, no. There's no not, there's
1: no one there's no one you could say
2: I think on George there's an argument that you could possibly see him as one of the center back groups and, but he needs replacing at that, le- that left back because he and you he, need two full backs. Yeah, exactly. And he, he was exposed at times. You know, it, it, it's Strange because he was actually one of the most potent attacking outlets, you know, him charging up the left every week. But repeatedly, you know, you lose the ball in in the the opposition uh, defensive third, and there's a big space down the flank. And that might be something that could be addressed tactically, but you'd think that in the modern game, fullbacks are absolutely essential, Uh, you know, uh, fast. Uh, technically gifted full-backs, That's what Borough need on both sides. In which case, you you, you you can move George and Ryan Shotton into the centre back group, and then suddenly that looks like a quite a solid unit uh, with Dale Fry and Danny Ayala. Maybe one maybe one of Danny Ayala and Aidan Flint would be sacrificed, but that's still a, a half decent group for the championship.
1: I think going back to mobility is key for me. Um, I think you know we. we, we... He had to mix men, didn't he, last season, Tony Peel. had to put square pegs in round holes. And, and, and whether he was quite forced to do as much changing as he, ed- he ended up doing, there's certainly an argument to say that as we sit here right now, need two full-backs, two wide attacking players, and, and a midfield creative player. And that's a ridiculously big wish list, really, to say at the end of May 2019 that you want to go out and buy, you know, basically four players... For the wide positions and one for the middle, but I mean, um, you would
0: think you would think any new manager who comes in is going to look at the squad and think I don't need that many central midfielders. No, I'm just going yeah. to
1: come on that point about yeah. you've got you've got two players in George Savile and Paddy McNair who who. Who you just don't know what they're going to do next season, where they're going to fit in, what their roles are going to be. I'd
0: like to see McNair play on yeah. the field purely because of the mystery. Well, I'd, the like, I'd like to see.
1: I'd like to see a player that costs five million pounds playing in his best position for a run of games to see whether we can do it or not. We, we, we're here twelve months after he nine, sorry, eleven, twelve months after he arrived at the club, and we still don't know what his position is or where he's going to play. I mean, interestingly,
0: You're talking about the defensive options there, and a bit, a bit of maybe you've. Mobility at the back as well. I I think McNair, a couple of couple of nervy moments, but I thought he looked very assured playing there. I thought, in fact, he he looked the best of the three centre halves that finished the season in that kind of makeshift defence. But yeah, I mean, you've got to think the the midfield. The the thing is, when you come in and you look at the midfield. there's, there's gonna a manager's going to look into, well, I don't need that many central midfielders but there's no obvious scapegoat no, no. you know you, Johnny House and any manager's going to like because he because of all that he offers you and his energy yeah, Lewis yeah. Wing's
1: had a good season Lewis Wing yeah you would think so, to stick on I, I George
0: Savile you're going to look at and probably think well look at his record in the championship and, and there must be more than what we saw last yeah, season yeah. same with Paddy, Paddy McNair. McNair Adam Clayton's been there and done it and you think well you know he, he could be a um, a bit of a dressing room lieutenant so you, you, you it's five for players this. for two positions
1: yeah,
2: I think it'll come down to do they get bids for any of them and I think anyone of that group that we say is not essential or not nailed on or not part of the future any offers that come in, I think they'll seriously, seriously think about taking them. Because they're going to ju- get
1: the money back on McNair and Savile at the moment. Well, moment though,
2: maybe that's it? something that sometimes you have to do to create the wriggle room and, and to change the shape of the squad. You can't just say, well, we paid X so we can't sell him. Otherwise, you end up stockpiling players no, that are on the bench. No, I
1: totally agree with that. But the problem you've got is that you the probably... Cl- after, after what has been in different seasons for both of them, being, and I'm sure would say exactly the same thing through Saturday and now themselves, that they haven't had the best of seasons... I think you could probably take a hit on the transfer fees, but it's, it's getting somebody to pick up their wages, isn't it? They're only a well, year. That's years. what I'm saying. Yeah. If
2: they get an offer. Yeah, yeah. That's what the, I'm the, saying. They're both, in, they're both one that's, year in That's long, yeah. why they will take it, because yeah. they, can't have, they won't have the luxury of saying, well, you know what, we'll just see if anything else happens. It will be a case of, right, yeah, we can do this. I mean, I think what's interesting is there's
0: a lot of talk, and, and you know, I absolutely agree with it. The borough need a, an attacking midfielder, they need a, a midfielder who's got the vision and the, and the ability to pick a pass. The, you, you might have them there. Mm. when they're not played the way that Tony Pulis wants to play that, that is what George Savile has been Supposedly. all his career it's, yeah. it's what Paddy McNair was and at Sunderland a goal scoring midfielder who was you yeah. know kind of this box to box runner who yeah. covered lots of grounds and, 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 and it could play as a number 10 well,
1: David Moy said we've seen that time and time again we, we had three summer transfer windows where Borough didn't fill the gaps they needed to fill but they brought in a lot of players or relatively speaking a lot of players and that, that to me they can't keep repeating that pattern you know, we can't go through another window where the wide players aren't addressed. You know whoever the manager is next season, Burne need more down the flanks than yeah. the current. You could make a Which case why
2: they've gone out and try to bring in Becca, even though the manager's not there. Oh yeah, because absolutely. If they wait yeah. a month, they might not have that. No, am totally You could make
0: might. a case that they need three or four wingers. They haven't got any really. Have the TAV?
1: Well, you uh, yeah. Make I mean, a
0: case that you know, if, if, you, if you've got a manager coming in who's going
1: to play with wide men, then you need more than two. You need know, just players who can play a wide role. Doesn't have to be orthodox wingers, and then they're, they're kind of going out of fashion too. But they need players who can play a wide, intelligent, wide players. And but I haven't really got anybody on either side at the moment. Um, as you mentioned, Tab, that's presumably Tab's role in the long run. But he's very young and very inexperienced. And um, they might say that you know there's been a lot of talk about bringing players in from the academy and maybe. It's, If Jed Spence has a good pre-season, he could come into one of the positions and that might might be what they have to do because, as I said before, to buy two full-backs and two wide players and a central midfielder is asking a lot. Even if you've got the money to spend, it's finding them and getting them out of clubs because the other thing we've we've got to consider is that, whether we like it or not, Borough probably won't be able to pay the money that they used to pay and, frankly, they're probably not as attractive as they used to be in terms of a buying club because, as we've discussed in this forum many times, have been in the Premier League once in ten seasons, so or ten years, whatever it is. So um, they haven't got the field to themselves, which has maybe been the case in the past. We've got six clubs coming down. Sorry, six clubs with that's, parachute payments. That's
2: assuming that they're competing with those six clubs in the way that they always have to. Yeah, past. yeah, yeah. If they're competing lower down the, the level, then they are. Not only are they very attractive, a big step up, but they also still have the muscle. Hmm. We know that they can't compete with the bottom six of the Premier League. The top six of the championship, which is what they've always done, yeah, yeah, and that's where the massive inflation in, mm. in wages and, and fees uh, has really uh, taken hold. And that's you know, borough can't even think of abridging that.
1: Gap, I, I just wonder if they feel as though they've had a little bit of the fingers burnt with the Marvin Johnson situation where they did go down the divisions, they brought a player in who was, was it three million or something like that, but significant wage wages. And you know that that didn't work for whatever reason. That hasn't worked. There and, are
0: plenty of examples in the championship of it working. Oh, of course Yeah, yeah.
1: But but it's not something Borough have done very well very often, is it? You know, our, make, making that kind of smart low league signing, who's who's come in and been good enough to kick on at the higher level. And we, you know, it, you know, it, it's asking a lot of the fans to be be very patient and wait for six months for players to bed in. The modern fan isn't, you know, the modern journalist isn't that patient either, for that matter. You, you know, it needs somebody who can come in and adapt pretty quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. But I, I take your point that we've there's, there's, already got five midfielders here. Yeah. <laughs> I know, f- battling over one or two positions. Um, so it is going to be a head scratcher for whoever comes in.
0: Just finally, before we wrap up, up top, we've talked about Braithwaite and Gustad. That leaves Sombelonga and Fletcher. Um, you would think whoever comes in. Is, is certainly going to want
2: to try and get the best out of Britta Somalanga. There were flashes there at the back end of last season. They looked lively together. A lot of people have told me that Fletcher will never be a striker, but you know, I think uh, he showed real signs of progress down that final straight. Uh, Brits, whatever you think of him, his stats at this level are almost unbelievable. One in just about one in two in the championship over the last four years, and it's hard to believe that. A manager would dismiss that. Uh, it is understandable that there may be financial pressures, and again, if they get an offer for him, they may have no choice but to take it as he would be a big earner. If they can get 10 million pounds or whatever with add ons and be able to use his wage, they may be very, very tempted by that. But I think most managers would come in, look at his stats, and think, Well, this is a bloke who scores goals at this level.
1: If I was sat here now as a prospective Middlesbrough manager, I'd be thinking give me Braithwaite and the longer for the start of next season. I'll have them two up front. Um, even, even, you, well, I'm just looking from the outside. Even,
0: knowing, even having done your research and looking at the baggage.
1: Well, it, it, it wasn't, was it, I mean, I'm just being devil's advocate here now because I, you know, but you look at him, you know, if, if he knew what he was stepping into when he came to Middlesbrough. He knew he was stepping down with the championship. Um, you might just think, look, I'll put my arm around him, I'll build my team around him. He, he scores goals. He creates goals. He needs a bit of love. He needs a bit of. He needs a bit of, um, pandering do too.
2: Do you think well, that, I see? I see that. But on
1: the other hand, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Would you have a, all day long? You'd pick head you pick Braythwayne ahead. It's a football. A, a, a it's a football. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But I'm just, just putting myself I'm in the shoes of somebody look from the outside. Well, I think if you do look
0: from the outside, you obviously do your research and you look yeah. and you think here's a character. You look at his background. And I
2: think, you can't hang yeah. your hand on him. Well, we were talking earlier yeah. on about the importance of the dressing room and getting people to buy in, and the manager needs to have faith in it, that there's a unity there and you have to wonder whether Braithwaite
1: can... But well, you just also said, though, we want some spiky characters. Just, yeah, but is no, that... I, it's I'm not... just, as again, I'm just being devil's advocate. Spiky's not the same as selfish, though, is it? Well, I don't know. I think footballers are so. I think good footballers can be selfish. So but if you were a manager You'd probably, probably, out, not, get, probably you... not get a bigger, foot, more selfish football in the world than Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm not comparing Braithwaite to Ronaldo, by No, not. but... But, you know, it's all about him. It was always about David Beckham. It was always about the superstars in the team. I think the difference with them is they back backing up on the pitch.
0: Yeah. And Braithwaite yeah. didn't do that when he didn't get the moves we, that he wanted. In the no, no,
1: I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not here to defend Martin Braithwaite. I'm saying mm-hmm. that if you, if you want to be, if, you know, you can have your Fletchers all day long, but who's going to get you out of the division? And it might be Fletcher, it might be longer, it might be, you know... All I'm saying is there, there are decisions there for an incoming manager to make and he might think, right, look, I'm coming here to get results. If it's Jukanovic, for example, he isn't here for a four-year project. Is he going to get Burr up in 12 months? Possibly 24. So he's looking, who can get me out of this this, this, this division? Who can score goals? Britta Sombolonga, like Vic says, gets one every other game. You can't discount that. I don't know who, who else is going to come in and score more goals. You can criticise his all-round play all you want, but he scores goals. Braithwaite's talented. He has flaws. That's why he's playing in the Championship. He's not yes. playing in the Championship. That's why he's playing for a Championship <laughs> club. You've got, you know, you can... I'm just being here, that's an obvious thing, you're looking for talented players, and we, we, all, we all said we think the, the club probably lacks a bit of creativity, a little bit of spark, yeah, a little I bit think, of movement. I think the most
2: important thing in any team is getting the, the unity and the direction, and I don't
1: think you can trust Braithwaite, that's my opinion. Yeah, well that's not right. I think if
2: things go against them, the will spit his dummy. Well,
1: that's all I'm saying is, when Burrow were flying in last August, he was the catalyst, or one of the catalysts, him and Downing. So I think I, he had a vested interest. Maybe there. he did. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not here to suggest that Braithwaite is the answer next season. But I think, the, well, you know, I think I'm looking forward to your column. <laughs> why build their team around. I mean, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just I'm, I'm just thinking it. But managers have to be practical. Managers have to be short term, unfortunately. And the an Esper are going to go down the route of bringing but in.
0: Doesn't that doesn't that fly in the face of everything we've talked about the last couple of weeks about that's why. But where they are and how they're yeah. now having to look at yeah. the bigger picture and how they're now having to totally.
1: but if you've got a manager coming in with a small budget who knows that his job depends on if he's on a
0: small budget you've got to get rid of someone on Braithwaite. Yeah, but they might be able to, to, to get start, him out, that's you? what I'm
1: saying. So all I'm say- I'm not saying he's the answer, but what I'm saying is if I was a prospective manager, I'd be considering it. Because you have to consider it. You have to consider all the options.
2: Taking a turn that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. You know, <laughs> unity is strength. You know, yeah. I think if you're <laughs> a manager, you have to weed out the troublemakers on day one.
1: Well, he might be a troublemaker under a different manager. That's all I'm saying. He wasn't a troublemaker at Laganas, from all we understand. I'm not aware that he was a troublemaker when he was in France. He didn't like playing for Tony Pulis. Are you, and, are you his agent? Well, actually, now you come to mention it. Yeah. We don't, don't know about Yeah. Oh, my Danish is improving, let's put it that way. I like your partner. No. You'll be speaking um, to that. What's that no. Danish newspaper that you yeah, always Dan speak to? Black. Dan Black. Black. Yeah. Yeah. You know for a
0: fact, with Braithwaite's on international yeah. duty, that we're going to get some
1: of it. I uh, tell you what, stranger things have happened. Managers have gone into clubs and players who have been out in the cold for months, sometimes years a founder manager who just puts the yeah. arm round them. I'm not saying it's lapped There's this, a this, difference between
2: being out in the cold and being stood on a burning bridge.
1: I think you're exaggerating the situation. <laughs> <laughs> here hey, hey, we go, before <laughs> we finish <laughs> it.
2: Before we finish it, and I, and I genuinely
1: think Stuart was, was training with the reserves when Gary oh, Hall yeah. was here. And and there's then, it, was,
0: again, there's a huge
1: difference though. But isn't he was out back, in the cold.
0: But that was through no fault of Dan No, No, I know that,
1: but I'm just saying that it happens. It happens that players come and go within clubs. Here we go then, before we finish.
0: Do you think Braithwaite will be in the Borough team on the first day of next season? I
1: don't think it's unthinkable, but no, probably not.
2: I don't. I don't I'm not even convinced he'll return to pre season training.
1: He'll have to, won.
2: He's got a contract.
0: I enjoyed that. I'm happy to just sit here and watch it keep it
1: going. <laughs> it's a recording, by the way. <laughs>
0: yeah, I hope so. have been going for 40 odd minutes. We better,
1: we better wrap it up there uh, That's two that that next week. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for that Martin
0: Braithwaite special. Next week, Phil and Christian Zieger. <laughs> thanks for listening.